Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to the podcast, Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. A J10 initiative, indeed. This is Father Mike. Father John, and uh, yeah, welcome to uh, Back to Rome, and uh, here we are tonight. I'd like to uh, just begin with a word of gratitude, right? Hold on, let me get my glass. We had, we had a terrible thing happen today. We were about to podcast, and I realized we don't have any bourbon. We don't have any Maker's Mark. We've been dry uh, oh, Maker's yeah. Mark for a while. That is a and problem. And then all of a sudden, this angel shows up at the door of our house and says, I have a bottle of bourbon for you. So With a Brooklyn accent. And uh, or Francis Pagliocelli, salute. Hey. Thank you for keeping us uh, almost at a dry podcast, but we got through it. So Thank you, Anna. We're coming off kind of a, a wild weekend, and so we're probably going to digress for a while, but we probably shouldn't, because I have more content than I yeah, know what to I do see. with on this topic. Father John's got notes. All got, of you poor souls who have been waiting months, years oh, man, for the I'm Love excited. Pride podcast. Here it is. Here it is. Amore. You're ready to get disappointed. E orgullo. E orgullo. Amore. Um, yeah, you know what I was thinking? I was like, I feel really bad for these people, the love pride people. They've been waiting. We did Faith Doubt, I think a year and a half ago. Hope Despair, a year and a half ago. Never did the third installment. They just kept them waiting. And then I thought to myself, no, I don't feel bad for these suckers because they just are thinking to themselves, my friend is totally love pride, so I want to hear that podcast about it. Oh, or yeah. my spouse is totally love pride, and I want to, I want to be able to like be like, yeah. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? I know how you think. I know you. Well, I think I'm. I'm hope despair. Mm-hmm. What would you? Are you supposed to diagnose people? It sounds yeah, like yeah. You can diagnose people for fun. You can diagnose yourself. That's less fun. I think I'm hope despair also. But uh, we're gonna talk about love. Pride's kind of a tricky one because it's gonna be a little bigger. Well, we can't start that yet. We can't start that. Let's go back to this weekend. Yeah. Where, where, where were we this weekend? Tegernsee. Tegernsee. About an hour south of Munich. In Bavaria. Yeah. It was. Marvelous, marvelous place. Beautiful place. Beautiful place. So you had this wonderful lake, uh, surrounded by forests and hilled forests. There's castles on the hills. It's uh, kind of a tourist destination for folks in Munich, and it was beautiful. It was amazing. Really, really, really relaxing. So Father Christopher Vincent Lebsock, Father Mike, and myself showed up at this thing, and I think we were kind of a hit slash like an embarrassment because it was like. Three, well, you got yeah. to explain that it was for a wedding. It was for a wedding. I, I said the worst wedding of my life on Saturday, <laughs> uh, which was happened to be my fifth anniversary. It was pretty bad, but it wasn't it was, that bad. No, it was it was a disaster. Let's just call it. Let's just let's just be honest. It was it was an absolute disaster. No, they I got have more. Hitched. They got hitched. They said the vows in German. This wedding was half German, half English. I don't speak any German, and these people don't have any liturgical sense whatsoever. So that when when Leonard Cohen's <laughs> Alleluia started at the end of Mass and. Uh, or not mass, it was just a wedding. And uh, I made eye contact with the priest. They were love, They were laughing at me, oh, and yeah. I totally shanked it. It was so bad. Anyway, I can't, I can't even well, think it about so it right classy. now. Well, it was so classy. I mean, they have a, so they have a harpist, and then they have this... Uh, like, the, harp, the harpist is singing opera, and then this other cantor who's singing opera. I know. And they're singing uh, uh, Leonard Cohen's Alleluia, which I have to let you all know out there is not a... Very religious song. It's not even a good it's a song man about dis- love. Despairing yeah. over like an adulterous relationship right. that is now over. Right. And he's the only thing he has to say is 
is this prayer of Alleluia. It's it's a terrible song, it's t- especially for a wedding, and it doesn't fit the mass or the wedding at all. No, no. I don't think they were aware of that. They just like the sound. It slipped and in on me. I think Jeff Buckley made a version of it that was really popular. Oh yeah, yeah. So we had a wonderful, um, wonderful weekend, and they were very kind to us. But this was like Switzerland's elite. I mean, this is lawyers and bankers from Zurich. So these are the rich, beautiful people. And uh, when I walked into the wedding reception, black tie event up in this uh, hotel up in the Alps, I mean, I felt like I was James Bond, and I was like, I need to identify the villain. And I got to, at some point, I'm going to run into the Bond girl, and I got to avoid her. And then I got to break through and beat somebody up in the kitchen, and then steal somebody's motorcycle as the Bond villain takes off. That's kind of what I was expecting. Did you manage to steal his motorcycle? That night did not go that way. I just ended up walking home. It was very elegant. Tuxes everywhere, dresses. I actually walked home to a um, fake podcast, a mock cast of Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the gift of uh, Becca Messel and Molly Rogan and uh, Megan Lyons who recorded a fake podcast. I thought they published it, and I was like, oh, my God. But they, <laughs> it was actually very funny. They just made fun of us for 20 minutes, acting like us, and recorded this podcast on, in honor of my fifth anniversary, which is very sweet. So I did that instead of chase the uh, the villain on a motorcycle through the streets of Turgensee. Oh, yeah. We're also celebrating anniversaries yep. tonight. I celebrated six a couple of weeks ago, and then Father John Cheers. celebrated five. Uh, Father Nathan, two. Last week. Father Michael, 11 on Wednesday. Uh-huh. Anniversary season. Yeah, so this goes out to Michael. Cheers. Yeah, Michael. 11 years. Yeah, old timer. boy. Old time hockey. The, uh, so we got through a wonderful weekend in it Germany. It was great. I mean, people are wearing lederhosen. A lot of They're lederhosen. They're wearing this drindle, the dress, drindle. Something like that. What do you call it? Durndles. Durndle. Durndles. Um, it was cool. It was I mean, very I, it cool. It was really, really fun. Yeah. As Goebel would say, enjoy your sweet life. Uh, <laughs> Which is half true, and then the other half is it's really hard to evangelize this yeah. crowd. They yeah, are super true. secular and uh, very, very kind. I mean, they were super, you know, we enjoyed your speech. So they were very kind about the disaster wedding that I celebrated. Um, and uh, But at the end of the day, man, it's uh, yeah, pretty yeah, chilly I mean, they're, they're spiritual just so climate. They're secularized. Yeah. Religion makes very little sense to them. Why would you be religious? Why would you be religious? I mean, it, it basically comes down to religion is about me being a good person, and I'm already a good person. So right. I don't really need religion unless I really screw up, and then I'll look for it. Right. It's like, that is so reductive. Right. I mean, there's so much more to uh, religious life, religion, practicing religion, and like, I mean, the value of the whole thing. Which is a fine lead into the topic today. Aha. Which I hope to smash and destroy that thing. That's a, It's moral therapeutic deism in the United States. Remember that, that Ooh, phrase that they moral said? Moral therapeutic deism. Yeah, where it's just like, um, I'm good, and if religion serves a therapeutic purpose, then it's okay, but otherwise it's not, you know. And um, it's just crazy, crazy dinner conversations with like fallen away Protestants who are very upset that they can't receive communion at Mass, mad at me, and I'm just like, you don't go to you don't go to Protestant church. Why do you care about church. why do you care about the Catholic Eucharist? <laughs> it's just very strange conversations. But um, all in all, good presence. Good to be there. Good to be with the boys. I think there's a priestly fraternity is a witness in a way. It's yeah. one thing if like yeah. a random dude comes from Rome, you kind of expect that. But when he brings his buddies and everybody's in clerics and they're drinking beer with you, it's like whoa, this is really different. 
Yeah. So hopefully we it was a joy. left a good impression. But uh, yeah, today I want to talk about Love Pride. Every t- I'm, I'm so excited to finally do the Love Pride one. I, I have in my mind the um, when you pass a level in Duolingo, they give you this like trumpet blast that's way over the top. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? And I kind of feel like every time I say Love Pride, it needs to be Duolingo is bum, our, our like bum, 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 bum. our little app for learning languages. Anybody it teaches who, you vocabulary and stuff. It's free. Go get anybody it. Anybody who knows it's Duolingo uh, knows. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I do. It, really? You're like, oh, well, hell yeah. I just got yeah, three questions right. Is, bum, bum, you bum, work bum, so bum. hard. I will work, you know, like look forward in to, to that moment in my day when I get to hear that trumpet. It's a like, really encouraging it? trumpet. Just <laughs> and it's like, you're 3% fluent in German. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so every time I say something you like, you can uh, play you this just trumpet. Make that sound. I, I don't do it very well. Go on. Okay. Allora. So love pride. So we'll start with pride and we'll go to love. And we'll talk a little bit about how it goes in between. I'm going to try and keep an eye on the clock here because I got a lot of ideas, and I got a, I got about 16 podcasts right, that I want to present. One of the you, problems can with can you quit uh, fiddling with the microphone? I can't. It's not in the right spot. The okay. I think it's annoying to All our right. audience. All right. So, love pride. First, I want to talk about before we get into what pride is. I want to talk about other words around pride that we um, usually think of. So, four that came to mind in the last couple of days: arrogance. Mm-hmm. Vanity, mm-hmm. conceit, and mm-hmm. egoism. Okay. So um, I feel like a kind of expertise in this area because I've confessed all of these many, many times. But it might be good to just clarify what is the difference between okay. arrogance, vanity. They're really they're all kind of the same, speaking to the same thing. But it's kind mm-hmm. of helpful to get into it. The key with all of these words, including pride, pride might be the umbrella term for it, is exaggerated. Or excessive. Okay. That's what we want. When we think about pride, we think about it's an excess. It's just an excess of the ego, excess of the self. So arrogance is going to be defined as an exaggerated sense of oneself, kind of an assuming presumption. Vanity is an excessive pride of my image of, uh, or of my accomplishments, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, conceit is going to be an excessive pride of of kind of my own conception of myself. Egoism is going to be an accepted, exce- exaggerated sense of the importance of my opinions, of my analysis. You know? Oh, okay. So all these different things are like different aspects of the way that we manifest pride, but it's always an exaggeration. It's not authentic to who we are. It's not true. Yeah. It's not a true reality of who we are. So I was talking to my biblical friend about arrogance because we came across this in, um, I think it was in James chapter 4. Mass, we've been reading James Mm -hmm, lately. mm -hmm. And it says, uh, James chapter 4, verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. And I heard that. I was like, ooh, arrogance. Uh, I hate the word arrogance. Um, I've confessed arrogance. I've been (laughs) accused of arrogance. And I probably am arrogant. um, But it's good to say, what is it actually? And arrogance is, um, in the Greek, this is interesting. I think you told me this. You sent me a little email. Yeah. Uh Um, Alazonoi, something like that. Ania, alazonia, I don't know, something like that. Greek word for arrogance. Uh The attitude of the cosmic man, this is what you send from some Bible thing, who does not ask concerning the will of the Father, but tries to make out that he himself may sovereignly decide concerning the shape of his life. Yeah. So the biblical definition of arrogance 
is the attitude of created man concerning the will of God, trying to do it himself. Yeah. Ooh, I was like, God's not in charge. I'm in charge. God's not in charge. I'm in charge. Assume uh, erogare comes from um, rogare, which means to presume, to ask. I mean, it really is to just mm. to like to you don't ask. It's it's a it's an assuming and a presumption, an exaggerated sense of oneself. I actually think that I am in control of my life. Yeah. I don't need grace. I don't, no, I don't need, need help grace. from other people. I don't need help. I don't need religion. I don't need to ask these basic questions. Interesting enough, I was thumbing through the um, Summa today, and uh, I saw that gratitude, ingratitude is a violation of justice. Isn't that interesting? Mm. So to be ungrateful because is actually Because everything we unjust. have is... Because you didn't make yourself. From God, yeah. Everything yeah, you yeah. have is gratuitous, and mm. arrogance strikes at the very core of that. And, and that's kind of that arrogant disposition... So there's a haughtiness, I think, when we think of arrogance, but really at the heart of arrogance, it's just this presumption that we know how to live our lives best. So another one I often uh, confess, and I, I mean this honestly, I'm not just being, um, I'm not just being kind of uh, flippant, but uh, these are real struggles. Vanity, excessive pride in or uh, admiration of one's own appearance or achievements. Mm-hmm. From vanitas, emptiness, the Latin word for emptiness, right? Mm-hmm. So when I, uh, you know, am 5% fluent in German and I stand up and I'm like, I am the man. I am the, I am the man. Like, I am just so awesome. Bum, 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 <laughs> right? <laughs> Vanity. Like, yeah, the soundtrack of your the life. soundtrack comes on. Yeah, I just keep playing yeah, the trumpets because everywhere I go, the, I am just rocking the it. I am just bum, rocking bum, it. You just, people have that on repeat in their heads. That's vanity. Vain, right? And you told me something about interesting about vanity because we were reading Koholeth. Ecclesiastes. Oh yeah, I think in the office of readings last week, and we were having coffee, and I just said, "This is the nice thing about having a Bible guy have coffee with you every morning." Because I'm like, "What's the deal with this vanity thing in mm. Ecclesiastes?" And you said, "I think it was it's the opposite of um, glory, like the the heaviness, yeah. the weight of glory, right? The importance of something. Vanity in Hebrew is expressive of." Um, it's it's something that's it's something that's light. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We think it matters, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's just uh, not not grave, not important, not heavy. Yeah, and I like that because glory is God's beauty, right? So vanity is the emptiness, the empty kind of false mm. aesthetic. It's it's not really the content of beauty. That kind of heaviness, the gravitas. It's just the image. It's just this kind of false thing. You think of like materialistic culture, you know, you're just like, I got to get this thing, I got to have this, that kind of thing. Um, just the emptiness of, of vanitas, everything is, is actually, there's nothing to it, versus the, the fullness and the heaviness of the kabod, God's glory, disclosing itself. I thought mm-hmm. that was a nice, nice conversation over a cappuccino, right? It was. It, it was, was still early, but, you know, it was a, uh, we go to this coffee shop, and um, the baristas all really think Mike's very funny and cute, and so they make all these <laughs> weird designs in the coffee. And uh, but I forget what we got that day—a smiley face or something. John, see, this is an expression of John's vanity that he's always looking for. Like he wants the special drawing in his cup. Now that's jealousy. That's he's different. Just, we'll uh, get to that in a second. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "But I'm the, I'm the good one." No, no, no. Different, different sin, my friend. So that's uh, well. Let's skip the rest of the stuff and get and get right into it here. Basically, what I want to present, I want to think about um, pride in terms of 
the way Dante presents pride. Because Dante, you remember Dante's um, Inferno? Well, really, the whole Divine Comedy is a... Um, it's really the Summa Theologia of um, Aquinas in, in lyric. That's how they describe it. He's taking Aquinas' theology and he's putting it into poetry. Mm-hmm. So the images that he uses are to describe how Aquinas understands pride. So remember, pride is going to be the lowest level of hell at the very center of pride. And the two things that... Which is the worst. Which is the worst. Right. Which is the worst. And I think that in many ways, the two things that define pride in Dante's understanding are going to be coldness and mm. betrayal. So one of the most striking images of Dante's Inferno is that it's not flames and devils poking you with sticks and stuff. It's just, they're frozen. Satan is just frozen. And who's who's beside him frozen? Two figures. Remember who? Judas. Judas and... Oh, Brutus. Know. Brutus. Who killed uh, Julius Brutus, Caesar. Brutus, yeah. Uh, both betrayal, acts of betrayal. Yeah. So there's something about, at the very core of pride is this coldness and betrayal. And I think that's what we want to start thinking about with pride. Pride is not so much um, vanity or arrogance or these kind of other things. It's more of the the deadening of the heart. Mm. When the heart is prideful, you just can't love. Mm. There's just no warmth. It's just cold. And so the prideful person is not going to be the person who um, necessarily talks too much about themselves, yeah, that's part of it. But the really pride, prideful one is the one who's just so cold and empty. You mm. know, I think of um, Ivan Karamazov, you know, in the Brothers K, and just kind of the way that he deals with things. You know, this kind of the depth to it, um, kind of a scary thing, and that's pride, and yeah. that's Satan, and that's the heart of of evil. Yeah, I think one of the one of the scarier um, kind of popular references that I know is the Godfather and the way that they kill in the Godfather. It's not like they get so riled up and on drugs and crazy and frustrated and so excited that they, you know, like hurt somebody. It's that they are just cold and calculated. They'll look you in the face and and stab you in the back. It was nothing but business, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's cold. It's It's cold. Yeah. Oh, and I think that's, the coldness and the betrayal. I was talking to a friend recently who's gone through some serious, serious betrayal. And I said, I don't think there's anything worse in life than the experience mm. of betrayal. I mean that. I, I think that physical suffering pales in comparison to the spiritual and psychological pain that comes with being betrayed, yeah. especially in a, in a context of your vocation of your marriage or that kind of thing. There's nothing worse than that. And Jesus suffered that betrayal. Mm. Um, but I think that that's, that's the, the really the, the heart of there's something in pride that permits someone to do that in a way that's really, really, uh, really painful. Mm. So, but stepping back from that for a second, um, this is um, this is one of those things. Pride is one of those tricky things because yes, pride is an act, but then it's also in every sin, right? So Aquinas will tell us that um, pride is a part of every sin. There's two parts to sin. We talked about this in the original sin podcast, which. I tell you what, I keep coming back to this more and more. I'm like, this is the problem. We've lost original yeah, sin. Nobody cares. We've lost yeah. the sense of sin. John Paul said this. We've lost the sense of sin. Everybody is dull, spiritually dull, because nobody needs redemption. Nobody needs grace because nobody sins. Everybody is, we're such yeah. nice people. Yeah, we are just such good anymore? people. Worst thing a priest can hear in the <laughs> confessional. That's absolutely the worst thing. <laughs> Father, I'm a good person. Yeah. Why are you here? Priest... We're never afraid of any sins. We know we're sinners. 
don't don't be afraid to tell the priest your sins. You should yeah. you should damn well be afraid to tell the priest I'm a really good person. And let me tell you why I'm such a good person before I tell you my that I was unkind to one. I mean, it's unbelievable and it's sad, and we all do it, priests included. So we got to get over that kind of thing. We got to. Well, realize. I think I mean we'll get. I think we'll get there, but. I'm wondering, okay, so we're supposed to avoid this like haughty sense of self, this exaggerated sense of self. But I find that a lot of people are really, in- including myself, are really uh, plagued by the sense that I am I'm not worthy. I'm not a good person. I'm a bad person. I'm not uh, like a... Um, I don't know. I'm just not... It, it's not a sense that um, don't go through life thinking I do everything right all the time and look down on people. And I've run into a lot, a lot of people who are just trying to affirm the fact that they're a decent person. They have dignity, that they're, yeah. they're worthwhile. And a lot of the spiritual direction that I've, I've given and I've received has a lot to do with just recognizing God's love for us personally. So I guess as we move into, into love... Um, that's kind of the question I have. Where is like the di- what's the difference between I am proud of myself, I'm happy about who I am, and um, and then I'm like exaggerating yeah. my own sense of self, and I'm sinning on account of that, yeah. and growing cold toward other people the way that we've talked about. This. That's a good question, and I we'll get to that when we come to love, because Augustine will explicitly say, if you don't if you don't love yourself, if you can't love yourself, then you can't love others, Yeah, which goes back to Aristotle, will also say that, that there's such a thing as self-love, authentic self-love, which is, for the Christian, is an acceptance of, is a hum, is a humility, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so humility... But it's like an acceptance. I know who God I am. God loves me. Right. And so I accept the fact that I ha- I'm worthwhile, right. I'm lovable. And, I'm, right. yeah. and I would say very briefly, the, the, just three quick things. Number one, most people aren't living a reflective life, mm-hmm. so they're not even thinking about the questions of who I am and mm-hmm. what is my dignity. People are just living, just kind of going through life. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, um, if you are reflecting on your life and you feel bad, a lot of times it's because you have bad feelings, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel hate, I feel anger, I feel sorrow. Sadness, yeah. Those are morally neutral. Those are not... There's no moral... You can't moralize your feelings. Yeah. Sa- sorrow You can't is, make a judgment from sorrow that. Sorrow is, is an experience that you need to acknowledge. That's not bad, necessarily. Um, and it's containing information about the state of your, your heart right now. You know, So I think that we live in a, a therapeutic culture where everybody wants to feel good. I want to feel joy, yeah. happiness, peace all the time. And it's like, well, not that's not really good. Sometimes you need to feel other things that aren't good. So that's the second thing. And I forgot what the third thing was. So let's take another swig of the bourbon here and <laughs> keep on moving. No, but I think that's a good, uh, I, I would agree with you. Absolutely in the confession, no one should, you should not receive harshness. You need to be encouraged. Well, and yeah, I mean, I, the reason I bring that up at that point is that I think a lot of times when people come in, they say, tell me I'm good. I'm a good person, Father. And then they go into their sins. I mean, they're, they're expressing something of, I'm afraid of God. And I'm afraid that he doesn't love me. And I want to hear that I'm loved. And there's nothing to be afraid of when it comes to God. Or even confessing to the priest, uh, knowing that the priest knows God well enough to know that uh, you're loved mm-hmm. and to be able to express that. Yeah. But it's not like you got to preempt that. So it yeah. is annoying. I find it annoying too. But Yeah. 
you're a really nice guy. I guess I'm not a really nice guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make um, I'm gonna make a generational um, uh, what do you call it prejudice? Yeah, the baby boomer generation. Their their parents were like too focused on sin, and uh, everybody was horrible, and everybody's going to hell. So they went to the opposite extreme, and everybody's good. So the baby boomers are like everybody's great, everyone's going to heaven, everything's cool. Our generation are just stupid. We don't know anything about the faith, and we're just kind of lost. So everybody's messed up, but I'm I'm really focusing on that that generation. It's yeah. not like you need to be encouraged in the confessional. You really don't need to be encouraged because yeah. you really don't well, think you're you, a bad person. You need to learn a sense of sin. Every lo- good Christian needs to learn a good sense of sin. I tell you, my I think the greatest Christian I've ever met was a a guy addicted to um, pain pills, and he prayed the rosary every morning at three a.m. with Mother Angelica. And I think I'm like, this is the guy that I'm going to see in heaven. And he's going to be like, if you would have done this, this, and this, he was such a mess. But I, I but really he knew it. He knew it. Yeah. And you read these Graham Greene characters, and even I read Charles Dickens, oh my gosh, the end of Tale of Two Cities. I mean, you just read these characters, and literature can kind of convey this yeah. better than our theology. Yeah. Okay. It is, it is re- very refreshing to find people who know their faults. Right. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Okay, I'll try and wrap this up, and then we'll actually talk about love, which is the... The other positive thing. Mm-hmm. So pride in the... Um, we talked about how pride's a part of every sin. We And mentioned this in the last uh, podcast on original sin. This is interesting. Every sin is made up of two pieces. Cupiditas and uh, superbia. Cupiditas, mm-hmm. cupidity, a kind of love, is a turning towards a created good. So let's say... Um, well, they served cookies at lunch today. Mm-hmm. Now, I oh, love cookies. Cookies are kind of... I'm a sucker for cookies, right? Mary Nepple's son. Oh, yeah. Cupidity Thank you does. for the bars, Mary Nepple. Oh, yeah. We love the bars. We love the bars. We love Keep the bars. Coming. Keep the bars coming. So my love turns towards this created good. And I, and I think to myself, if I consume that cookie, I will be satisfied and happy and fulfilled mm-hmm. in this life, mm-hmm. right? That cookie that. will be everything that I need. It will make up for all of my, uh, all of my desires. If it was Alana listening to this, it'd be pistachio ice cream or something, you know. Whatever that thing is for you, that's cupiditas, right? That's different than superbia, which is the turning away from God. So every sin, let's say I sit down and I eat 25 of those cookies. Mm -hmm. I just total gluttony. So there's two things that happen in that act. Uh, An an inordinate turning towards a good and a turning away from God. Superbia, pride, is the part of turning away from God. Cupidity is turning away towards the good. The more that an act is more cupid, so to speak, and less prideful, the less grave it is. Does that make sense? So mm. if you, th- you can think of all sins on a spectrum. That's why, that's why Dante will say sins like um, of excessive love, for example, like lust, gluttony, avarice. They're not as bad as the malicious sins, which are more superbia and less. They're more yeah, of a direct okay. turning away from God. It's kind of complicated, but. I thought it was kind of interesting. Well, I'm I'm trying just trying to figure out like why did why do those paths clash? You know, why is it that a a created a good thing could be a problem for God? But I think it's also like it can become a problem for us. Either yeah. we're we're taking it for the wrong reason. I'm married. I see this woman that I want to to start a relationship with. Mm-hmm. But she's the wrong woman. Right. I'm married. So I know that I have to turn away from God to follow that. Or you know, 10 cookies is good for my health. Right. But after a while, um, this is going to be gluttonous. Yeah. And so I resent God, and I'm going to turn, you know, 
turn away from God in order to do that. Is that like, I'm trying to understand the relationship between those two. Yeah, I think that the Dante's answer would be that, you know, human happiness and holiness, which are the same thing, come um, with the or- the proper ordering of good, of loves. Get your loves in order, everything will be cool. Mm. All sin can basically be described as either excessive loves, lust, gluttony, avarice, deficient loves, sloth, or malicious loves, right? Just the direct turning away from God. Envy, which is me not getting my... Yeah, self-love. My self-love, or, or, or uh, anger or pride, right? Um, and so that's what you have in terms of the... Um, uh, the kind of the scheme of sin. It's always a turning away versus created goods are good. That cookie is good for me as a means to an end, which is to praise, reverence, and serve God, which we'll talk about in the next podcast, right? Yeah. Well, you have advanced to the third level. You are 3.2% fluent in German. Okay. <laughs> you so, are 4% fluent in Catholic. Pride is the inordinate desire of one's own excellence. That's it. Mike Rapp is so awesome. He's a Biblicum student. Oh, my gosh. He's working with 10 languages. He's writing a dissertation. He is amazing. He won the semi semifinals oh. of the North American College Invitation bah, bah, in tennis today. Bah, 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 bah. He won the, which he actually did. He beat James Platania. Father James Platania. Oh, you didn't have down. to mention names. It's, it's okay. James, we love you, but you went down in flames in game three. And you yeah. were a great sport about it. I'm feeling pretty it. good about it. You are feeling good about it. <laughs> the last thing I'll say on this great line from DeLubach, and then we'll move to love. Everything, everyone has a choice between pride and humility, between the will to power and poverty of spirit. I love that because that breaks, that mm-hmm. ev- all of life kind of breaks down to that. Is it going to be the will to power or poverty of poverty spirit? Of spirit. Mm-hmm. Bam. That's it. Wow. That's your choice. Allora. We move to love, and we have to move rather brief, or rather quickly here. So, love is is the uh, is the point of all of this, and all of these theological virtues are ordered towards love, right? And um, that's going to be uh, this is the high point, so to speak, of everything. We talked about pride for twenty minutes. Now we got to trim up love. This is not the way it should have gone. Oh, but sorry. There are um, half dozen words to signify love in Latin. That's part of the problem. So you got uh, you know amor, caritas, pietas, delectio, affectio, studium. Then the problem, of course, is trying to understand what is the actual love we're talking about. The highest love is caritas, charity, mm-hmm. which is the the friendship love of God and man, right? Which okay. we're not able to have on our own. That is a gift. That's a theological virtue, mm-hmm. charity, right? So all of these loves are ordered towards charity. C.S. Lewis has a great book called The Four Loves. Highly recommended to everybody. In there, I came across a line. He says, Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your, give your heart to no one, not even to an animal, not even to Felicity Cornbread. Oh, my little puppy. Your old dog. Oh, I love that dog. Wait a minute. Okay, so then... But if you don't take that risk of love... right then you end up cold. I mean, I guess you don't end up bitter or heartbroken or whatever, but right. you, you're not going to live. No, and that's the thing, is is what is the opposite of love? Is it hatred or is it um, just this kind of cold indifference? indifference you yeah. know? And um, I think uh, what we're focusing on is, is it's both. Aquinas treats, Aquinas treats pride and humility as opposed to each other under the concept of 
uh, temperance, but that's a whole other topic. But in a deeper way, he also talks about how the opposite of pride is this cold indifference, this inability to love. Mm. It was only business, Michael. Yeah. The Godfather. Yeah. You know, where Shoot you just him. put a gun to your head and say, oh. that's it. And so, yeah, when you start to give your heart to things, it starts to be broken. And um, it will always be broken. The sign of a, of a good family is not that there's never drama. It's that hearts break. Yeah. Love. You think of when someone dies, Father Gronsky dying this spring. Hearts break. Our hearts broke in grief. And that's a sign of love, yeah. you know. Um, but it's very painful. I can see why it's a fear for people or, you know, why, why our guy has to remind people to, to uh, take the risk of love. It's a lot easier to simplify and dumb down love so that you don't have to feel that risk. Mm. It's a lot easier to not to just kind of bracket God from the equation and to just love in kind of a superficial human way but not actually know like real intimacy and real vulnerability. Mm. It's a lot easier to do that. And I think priests can do that just like everybody else. Um, I gave a homily right, right while Goronsky was dying to all our friends back home. And I quoted this as Aquinas. He says, Ex amoris procedit et gaudium et tristitia. From love proceeds both joy and, and sorrow. sorrow sadness, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Mm. The sign of a true lover is one who can both experience joy and sorrow in the midst of the lover. I think that's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. to consider. We, we live in this fantasy world of, um, I don't know, soap opera novels and, and these things where it's just all just romance. You know, love is romance. And love has got to be more than that. Love has to be kind of that sacrificial agape as mm-hmm. well. And, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's to give yourself to someone to the point and develop a relationship to the point where you know, losing them or losing their love is going to hurt, yeah. you know? So like this, we've got a culture of kind of uh, free love. And uh, that word is so sad in that sense of like a hookup culture or um, to think that these kind of very early superficial romantic, you know, dating relationships or something like that is really love in the way that we're looking for it. No, 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 no. This is like the most profound love that I've seen. It comes from couples who have been living together for 60 years. Yeah, absolutely. They are just so bound to each other. They can't live without the other one. Yeah. You know, that's love. Yeah. And that's the kind of love that we're meant to have with God and I think cultivate with other people too. Yeah. And God wants to give us the grace more than anything to be able to love as he loves. That's the point of the Christian life is to take in the love of God into our hearts and to be able to love with that. A final thing, and this is a little autobiographical, and then we got to wrap, shut this thing down. Came across this line from um, Richard of St. Victor. So this is like 12th century medieval author. And he said, he said, Ubi amor, ibi oculos. Where there is love, there are eyes. Mm. And here's why I like that so much. Where there's love, there are eyes. The person who loves is able to see goodness, beauty, truth, in the other, in ways that those whose hearts are shut down, our hearts that are shut down, are unable to see that. So this mm-hmm. whole notion that the eyes of the heart kind of come to life when there's love there, that's what God wants to give us. He wants to be able to see. I think that's the secret of John Paul and Mother Teresa mm-hmm. and these saints, is that ubi amor ibi oculos, that where there's love, uh, there, there we find these eyes and the, kind of a new way of seeing the world. 
to see the world as a real lover um, and to be kind of captivated constantly by that love. And that love transcends the weaknesses of our own hearts, the weakness of our own love, the failures of other people's lives, failures of friendships, but also it just fixates us back on the, the fullness of love, the ability to see God which is the one thing that we all need and we're all starved for mm. and nobody seems to be finding in this world. And so uh, we pray today for the grace of a deeper love that we can see love and see people, receive people as they truly are, but especially to see God as he truly is. Nice. Bam. That's it. Yeah, pride That's all love. I got. Love pride. You did it. 25 minutes on pride, five minutes on love, but hey, we did it. You got it. Promise I to hope. all the people. That's it. Love pride fans. You got it. All those emails. I'm sorry. And again, it was inadequate. This is a massive topic, but uh, he's got more notes. But I got lots of notes, but we got to wrap this down. thing down. Wrap this thing up. I think that was really good. Thank and you. There was a lot, uh, a lot of material I learned. A lot of Latin. Mm. Are you getting into Latin? I was nerding out today. In the, we have the Latin English. Summa uh-huh. in the library here. So funny. Just getting back into it, man. Oh, you did a great as job. I get older. I get old when Balthazar was at the end of his life, he said, I'm I'm rereading the uh, Secunda Pars or the Secunda Pars. He says there's a lot of good stuff there. <laughs> and Steve's Steve Akers reminded me of that. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a lot of good stuff in that. And that's what this is all from the second part of the second part. So thank you, St. Thomas Aquinas. Shout outs before we go. Me first? Is yep. that what you're saying? Oh, um, I want to shout out um, Father Darren Zenley, ah. um, who is one of the coolest cats in our house, just really chill and relaxed all the time. He's doing canon law degree here in Rome. He's a priest in Illinois. Yep. And Street he Hill. is a great lover, like no other, of J.R.R. Uh, Tolkien, Dr. Pepper, and... The state of Hawaii. Yes. Three of the greatest things in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your joy. Does he listen to this? Yeah. Oh, nice. I found that out That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing when, like, really smart people listen to this. I know, right? Oh, Darren. Yeah. Yeah, His knowledge of of Tolkien is fantastic. So I'd like to give a shout-out to Cassie and Jared Langhalls, who I married three years ago yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they are... Uh, they are a wonderful couple. They just got stuck with a new new priest yeah. and who was just out of control living in Boulder. And they were very j- patient and loving with me and I learned a lot from them and um, it was an nice. honor to be at their uh, to be at the altar with them and uh, to see the the way that they love each other. They're still doing it uh, faithfully and uh, I think they're deeper in love now than they've ever been. So great to talk to them uh, just by email the last few days hoping they come to Rome. You can meet them. Yeah, great. So they listen to the podcast. So I, we better shut this thing down. Yeah, we're over our uh, seven-minute Nathan Goble that was, required. I, length, I mean, I so have to. I have you. to admit, I, I would, I would take a uh, second part of this. Oh man, uh, love pride, N- love. There's a lot there. <laughs> part two, love. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Don't make any promises, though. It might be a couple more years. Okay. Well, but thank you, well Mike. I appreciate that. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, that's that. Like us on Facebook. Catholic God bless stuff. you, everybody. Happy Feast of St. Philip Neri. St. Philip Neri. Happy Feast. That's one of our favorites. Absolutely. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ciao, everybody.